Hello, hello, hello! The pastors are sipping hot drinks this morning. As far as you know. This is some delightful Earl Grey tea. I thought it was smudge. <laughs> Which tells us what Bruce is drinking. Also warm. I'm having some of the finest coffee known to mankind right now. This is Jamaican Blue Mountain Blend that has been carefully burr ground in a conical burr grinder at home and then brewed. Did you say conical? Conical. It's a conical burr grinder. <laughs> That <laughs> conical is that can't be a real world. It is. There's the beans go down on it like this, and then there's these two little rolling things that are turning like this that are conical. They're turning and they grind it, but it keeps the bean from becoming heated while it's being ground, and gravity just drops it into the thing. You don't want to heat the bean when you're grinding it. Otherwise oh, gosh, no. You're, you're losing flavor. <laughs> so when you have those grinders that are, you know. Well, it actually, actually heats the coffee at that point. It heats the bean. So you want something that's very cool, and then you, when you brew it, you brew it at the perfect temperature, and then you add froth, half and half. May I ask warm. what the perfect temperature is? I don't know. Mr. Coffee does, though. That's not a person. That's a brand. <laughs> We've had the same Mr. Coffee maker for like 20 years, and it does it to the perfect temperature. You have a coffee butler at your house. We do. A coffee Who makes sure the coffee it's is coffee exactly valet. the right temperature. And whatever valet. you do, don't grind it where it gets too hot. Yeah, so I heard your video this morning, and you had a lot of thatch in your throat. In fact, at yes. one point, I really thought that you were going to lose it <laughs> because you couldn't say anything. And I've got the, same, I've got the worst fall allergies going right now. It's ridiculous. But this, are you happy? My eye, no. My eye itches. <clears throat> you can hear it in my throat down there. It's like, it's as soon as we crossed over, like from Florida into Georgia, <clears throat> I started draining. It's like, you know, it's just part of the yeah. southeast. Alabama. Alabama. Well, and then when you got to Alabama, it was like full on oh. tears in your eyes. Tears. <laughs> my eyes are still teary, sneezing, um, the whole deal. But it's the funny thing is I love fall. Fall is my favorite time of year. Are you happy? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Alabama. So I was, I was, re <laughs> I looked this. I no, I didn't look it up. You know, you get the little things coming to your feed, and it, it, uh, um, it was a study. Whoever does these studies, right, <clears throat> where they rate the happiness of each state in the United States. Well, they actually do all the countries and everything as well. Actually, for it to be a study that has any credibility, I think an Ivy League school has to do it. This just out of Yale. Or Harvard. It. I failed to see who did it, but, and uh, then Penn. Penn. You're looking at the criterion. Not Penn State. Just Penn. <laughs> but then would it have credibility? No. No. Not this well, Harvard would have <laughs> fresh, fresh, off something. Penn reports. Yeah, it's not going to work. Okay, so well. Ahead. So whatever they and I was trying to dig into a happiest little happiest state happy so they're talking about you know the rate they're going to rate all the states in terms yeah. of happiness and it's it's based on a quotient related to um, uh, emotional health and well being poverty okay. yep so I don't know what all the that's its own fascinating question but would you care to guess with the ranking where Alabama came in? 
in on the happiness scale. So we were the what state? Yeah, this is one of the ones I, had, I literally have no idea. I know Huntsville regularly makes the top five in terms of best cities to live in. Yeah, so very, yeah. So let's say the state is number five. I don't know. Well, let's invert that. <laughs> <laughs> they said we are the fourth unhappiest state. Really? In the, well, in, no wonder I'm not happy. And the least happy, and I guess that's probably, probably Hawaii. <laughs> they're the happiest. <laughs> Mississippi is probably the You're Now you're nailing Mississippi is the 50th, and Hawaii is the fir- Good for you. For all of our Mississippi listeners, <laughs> don't worry. Be happy. We're going to cheer you up today. This is going to make your day. Wow, Hawaii is really high. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised by that. Uh, nice weather. Dormant volcanoes for the most part. <laughs> I think they got a few live yeah, ones. No, the people near the volcanoes are the least happiest. The least That's happy. what the scale. <laughs> That's just interesting. Mohalo. Well, Mohalo. <clears throat> That's their sort of But now, greeting. the whole idea... Even how do you, what a subjective thing to gauge happiness. happiness? Do you, you know, what is even the criterion someone's using? I, for fun, ask you if you're happy, but what does that even mean? I'm just curious what for you. What does what is well, happy? Here's it's what does happy mean? It's part of my, and I've talked about this before, but it's part of, the, of how I help a person determine what's not good or what's problematic in their life right now. So if people come into counseling, when you're counseling, okay. Yeah, there's usually something that they're experiencing that's negative, making them unhappy. The, uh, they're they're seeing you because they're unhappy is what you're saying. Yeah, but they don't always know right off the bat why why that is or they have an idea about that. So okay. I'll take them through a happiness scale. Usually about eight questions and I'll say, "All right, so how happy are you with your work?" A scale of 1 to 10. 10 being fantastic, 1 being I hate it. Wait, no, so you literally ask Oh, I do this all the time. Okay, this so, is fascinating. So, how happy are you with your work? We'll give that a 1 to 10. How happy are you with your mom and dad, with your parents? Uh, how happy are you with your children? How happy are you with your siblings? How happy are you with your, you know, career? And, you know, and, and once I know a little bit about them, and then the, the I'll ask them, how happy are you with God? Because sometimes there's a thing there that's going on. Okay. And they feel bad unless they say 10. Oh, that's a 10. <laughs> um, I regret to inform you. I'm an eight. <laughs> no, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of people that actually that is a, say that, that is a, that's a low space for them. And then all, the final question is always, how happy are you with yourself? And it's very telling. That's a low number, isn't it? But too Often. often too yeah. often it is, which makes me sad. Or, or it, so, or they'll 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 go through oh eight seven nine eight seven nine eight nine seven, and then I'll say, how happy are you with yourself? Three. And I'm like, well, that's what we've got to work on then. But sometimes it'll be, oh, marriage is two. And so that's where you, you realize, okay, this is, in other words, if their overall happiness with their life, I, oh, that, that's the first question. Overall, how happy are you with your life? Then we try to, you know, drill down a little bit and find out where is that, where is that place where that's creating the most conflict or unhappiness or whatever else. So you're using their internal happiness meter, whatever. The, I give them no definition right, exactly. for what happy is. So they and, have an internal. And in fact, I tell them, don't overthink it. Right. Because if you start overthinking it, well, I mean, sometimes I'm, ha- I'm I know, right. I got it. Right. Just overall, we're you don't just have to qualify overall, anything. What's that's how you interesting? With. So but it helps us, and I say us because I want them to know. Gosh, it turns out I'm least happy. I'm having the most 
dis-ease mm-hmm. with my friends right now or a yeah. relationship right now. And so then we can kind of go into that and talk about why that is and, and all that. Anyway, it's a fascinating way of helping people understand. In other words, if their life is overall a nine, okay, but there's one, there's one thing that's a three... We know pretty quick that's probably what we need to be working on that thing right there, that and then they have to work on, yeah, that was, that was traumatic or whatever that whatever that thing is. Okay. So it's it's just a tool. Now you read the Bible a lot. The, the word happy. It, I mean, I, there are, sometimes there's the word blessed, blessed is, which some translations might say, you know, happy is. The King James did several times. Happy is the man <laughs> okay. who does something. It's like a stream. It, well, I know like Psalm tree. one. Is it happy, uh, or is it? Ble- let's see. Um, well, I don't. That's know. interesting. There is there, no? That's one of those passages we learned as a kid. Yep. Blesses the man who happy walked. is the man who obeys his parents. I think that was how we learned. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Happy, but I wasn't happy when whoa, I obeyed whoa, my whoa, parents. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait just a minute. Wait, wait, wait. That reminds me of something. So today is a big day in terms of happiness. Oh, I know where I know where you're going. You know where I'm going it's with October twentieth. It's October twentieth, which I didn't realize, but that is that's my brother David, our brother David, brother to the pastors' birthday. It's his happy birthday. I think we should sing happy oh, birthday but, to him. Our poor listeners, this is. I'm going to tag David on this so that he'll get it directly into his inbox what? and Facebook. Oh, okay. Gosh, or his Juno lot. account? The, <laughs> yeah. David and Juno. I think he may have upgraded to a... AOL? <laughs> you are you are in a... Roger's in a mean mood today. All right, so I'm with David Martin. I'll also tag Roger Martin. There you are. You're right. No, Dave is faithful list. and steady as the day is long. You were so talking course, about him in your Facebook thing So, this in morning. other words, he's going to be that person who just... Uh, no need to change off of this. This is good, and we're staying with it. What do you? So we're going to do a Facebook Live to David while we're YouTube Live, while we're Anchor Live on the podcast. Oh, we're going to sing Happy Birthday. I am, I am technoed out here. We're going to sing Happy Birthday. Happy Birthday. We're going to sing Happy, happy okay. Birthday to David. This is so much technology. At one time, I can hardly stand it. Well, speaking oh, of me, who's not way. really, it's not a super techie kind of guy. I can't believe that you're actually doing... What's the key? Start lower. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. You're our favorite brother. Happy birthday to you. Good. Love you, Dave. Uh, happy he, birthday. What he said. So that was that was a big happy birthday. Shout, so I hope well, he's happier than. You think that'll make him happier? It will make him laugh. <laughs> it will make him laugh, and it will it embarrass might slightly him slightly. Concerned. Yes. Right. Well, he's already. <laughs> let's face it. David's always slightly concerned about us. Anyway, that's it's as an he undercurrent. Should, as he should be. It's an undercurrent in his life. Gosh, I feel so uncertain about Roger and Bruce today. Well, get used to it. Well, when we saw him a few days ago, we did give him the prolonged group hug. Yes. And 
Oh, I. It I, was cringeworthy. I he pulled was... his face next to my face. <laughs> Did you? Where he could feel my beard. That is so precious. And you know, I realize I don't see David often enough. David said, uh, literally, he was quite serious. He said, he said, how long have you had a full beard? <laughs> and I said, since 2007, Dave. He said, really? We've got to see each other more often. We need to get together more often. And we do need to do a camping trip. I we do. I was very concerned because you know he was limping around like he had a hitch in his get along. He was walking like an old guy, <laughs> and I had to finally ask him about. It. He said, "Well, I ran nine. <laughs> I ran nine. I said, "Do you still run?" He said, "Well, I ran nine miles this morning." I'm like, because I was imagining with that particular gait how you could run nine miles, how you could run nine feet. This is our brother who's run multiple marathons. marathons. So one. Five Ks, ten Ks, eighteen Ks, all of those Ks. A lot of Ks. He's 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 he, he's done it all. He's a runner. He's amazing. But he was sore, and so that's why he was walking around with a little bit of a limp. So that was, it just made me concerned because I was like, "Gosh, David's aging like more rapidly than you and I are." Well, you know, if you're fifty nine, you maybe shouldn't be running nine miles. <laughs> Is David only 59? 59. Today would be 59 because I turned 60 this... And I turned 58 in in three months? Yep. Lord have mercy. So he would have turned 59... No, but I... So in February, we'll be 58, 59, 60. That's... I always remember that on my birthday. It's like we're all boom, one, boom, one, one, two, three in a row. All the boys came right together, but... So... It's singing. My phone continues to sing. (laughs) Why don't we just stop that? Okay? There we go. Technology that you can't control. I just don't know what that was about. So, I was reading this morning. What were you reading? Oh, I read the same thing for two mornings in a row because I was wrestling with it. This is from the Bible, right? From the Bible, from Jesus. You know, I'm always reading Jesus. I I just need more Jesus. You know, oh, by the way, this is just great. I've created a new word when I do something that I know was not the right thing to do. I'm like, that was very unjesusy. <laughs> Isn't that a great word? Unjesusy. On on we go. So <laughs> don't give that don't give that too much thought. No, I'm trying to think, is there a better could I <laughs> Well Unjesusy. Well it was not Jesus like. Okay, so but unjesusy no, is just that's fun. Cute. That's just fun. A fun yeah, okay. Word. Fun so fun, fun, fun. Well it's a way of reprimanding myself without making me feel unhappy. <laughs> right. That was very unjesusy. But, so I was reading this, mor- this morning and yesterday, uh, the story that Jesus tells about this wedding banquet, and he, mm-hmm. it's told in multiple spaces. So this is after he's coming to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to be crucified at the end of the week. He knows that they're going to reject him. So he's telling stories that are very in your face to the Jewish leaders. They know that these parables that he's talking about are about them. <laughs> right. I love that phrase, that phrase in there. They perceived he was talking about them. Right. Not always the brightest bulbs in the pack, but they picked up on this. To the degree that that multiple times they wanted to kill him. Or they wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the people because the people held that he was a prophet. So, he tells the story about the the master who has, the landlord who who has a vineyard built, you know, and builds a wall around it and wine press and all of that kind of stuff. And he's looking for fruit at the time of harvest. And they refuse not only to give it to him, but they beat the servants, they kill the servants, he sends his son, they kill the son. And he's telling a story about the prophets of old and himself now coming in the name of the Father, looking for fruit, and there's no fruit. And so he says, what, what will that landlord do? Well, he's going to kill those guys, and he's going to give the vineyard to someone else who will produce its fruit. So then he tells another story. He's just on a roll now. 
He, case, would, do, he would do this. He in would string case they stories. It. Yeah. Like he did with the the prodigal, the three lost. Absolutely. He would string these together. So I was much more familiar with the vineyard story, and I've processed that one, but less so with this one because it's told in two different passages, but he tells it a different way in this in, okay. in Matthew, okay. which is fascinating. So he says, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and I always love that because Jesus is teaching us something about this kingdom, and he's going to give something, a way for us to understand it. And this story is a little bit bizarre. So he said, it's like a, it's like a king. Who's throwing a huge wedding banquet? He's got a, he's got a it's a big deal for his son now because I'm thinking it's a wedding so two people mm-hmm. are getting married it's a big deal so he invites all of these friends to come and one by one after one after another they say nope can't come not gonna come so he sends his servants to find anybody and everybody and again it's told different in Matthew than it is in the other mm-hmm. passages it says so they go out into the streets <coughs> and they're just inviting everybody listen both good and bad. Okay. Which is just an interesting way of, of telling this story. Both That's good and the bad. Wording. That's okay. the wording in Scripture. Okay. So, both good and bad. <sighs> and the kingdom hall is full. It says that the, it's full. Right. And the king is looking out and he sees that this is room full of people. All of these people that have been invited and have been welcomed into his, into his place. And he sees a person who stands out from the rest of them. And he goes to him. And he says an interesting word that Jesus said, friend. Why are you not wearing wedding clothes? How did you get in? Right. Apparently, the, the wedding crasher. Uh, well, exactly. I actually <laughs> wanted to do a sermon called the wedding crasher. Wedding crasher. Because it's such a great. He, he says he's and, he, and he's, he's very he's very kind in this thing. There's this compassionate friend. In other words, did you not? You know, these clothes were provided for everybody. You know, at the door. Did you mm-hmm. not? Did you not get that? Giving him an opportunity to go. Oh gosh, what you know what. Yeah, I miss that. I definitely want. I definitely want the wedding clothes because I want to be a part of this thing. It says the man had nothing to say. I mean, it's almost like he says, "Fred, hey, where? Well, how did you get in? Why don't you have the wedding clothes?" And he said the man said nothing. And all of a sudden, the king's tenor toward that person changes radically. Okay, this is an interesting story. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like right, and he says, "Hey, to his servants, tie this man up, hand and foot." And throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay. <laughs> like, whatever that, whatever the wedding clothes was and wasn't, <laughs> ticked off the king. And he said, then Jesus says this, for, for many are invited, but few are chosen. And I have been wrestling with that yeah. for days. And one of the things that, I'm just curious to get your take on it, one of the things that I've been coming up with because we've talked about this a lot. Jesus would say the kingdom of heaven is like, unless you become like a child. He would say, guys, you're all about this. Unless you become like a child, unless you humble yourself. This is that. It seems, because he comes to this person, the king comes to this person without wedding clothes in a very compassionate, hey, friend, where are your wedding clothes? In other words, hey, you, you have the same opportunity everyone else has to, to wear the wedding clothes. Right, did, you right. miss, did you miss that at the door? Let me get those for you. But the man says nothing. In other words, it seems that he didn't want the wedding clothes. Right. He wanted the wedding on his condition. I, right. I want to be here, but I want to be here on my terms. Right. And I don't want your wedding clothes. Don't like them. They clash with right. my shirt. Whatever that is, they clash with my lifestyle. Whatever that was, because the king immediately, I mean, his face turned. It was like, hey, throw this guy out. He, he doesn't need yeah. to be a part of this of this wedding party. Like it's, it's going to mess it up. And I wondered if those, if part of... The wedding clothes was the humility 
<coughs> of of surrendering yourself to a king. In other words, it's this thing of, and again, in Western American culture, we're so, I don't want anyone to dress me or tell me how to dress or, you know, I, Marlene and I actually got into it a couple of days ago, just about, about the shirt. You know, like she was like wanting me to wear, I'm like, I I don't want your help with my dressing. I, <laughs> I'm, I, I like my, but I realize there's a humility. I don't know. What, I'm curious. Cause then, cause he finishes the whole thing by saying, and again, the, he starts at the kingdom of his life, finishes many are invited, but few are chosen. And I'm like, yeah, they went out in the streets. They were, they were inviting everyone in. So I know part of the parable is the Jewish people by and large rejected Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and the prostitutes and the sinners and the tax collectors were coming into the kingdom by, in droves, right? which, of course, infuriated the religious leaders. And Jesus tells stories about that. But it, I'm just, who's the guy? What does it represent? The guy that gets in and then is thrown out. Well, I wonder, <clears throat> and again, with a parable, with a story, this, these like, you get in, you, if you get too fine with it, you know, that every little wrinkle... Yes. It's it's the beauty. I'm not of, trying to make this yes definitive right, theological right. statement. It's it's the beauty of like, which also I'm fascinated yeah, by. Yeah. We can only take in the kingdom in bits and sim similarities, similes. This is like it's sort of like this because we you know so there's one I think is exactly right the dimension of the people who got the first invitations, the people who should have been most. Um, or they, who were just assuming they, you know, um, didn't want to be there. They outright rejected the invitation. <laughs> right. But I wonder if this story speaks to something that I've given a lot of thought to. It's, we we have this vision, let's say, of heaven and hell. We have this vision of, okay... Two places you can end up. One is a paradise. A, a destination. That's a great word. We right. think of them as destinations. We, we think and of a, typically eternal destinations. Right. right. So this is a destination. Okay. There's a really good place. Um, <laughs> fill in the blank. Whatever kind of place. Beach, skiing, paradise. whatever you like. It's paradise for you know. So, th- but then there's this really bad place. You're not going to like the temperature there. Whatever. And this is idea. Even now. That people are making a decision somehow. Their eternal destiny is really about a decision of you're choosing your your location. After you die, you can have the uh, judgment of God in a bad place or you can have the blessing of God in a nice place. And this is where I think a lot, a lot of people think, well, of course, people are going to want the good place. I'm just not convinced because the narrative is flawed. The nar- the reality, the Bible's narrative about that is I'm not about a place, it's a person. Do you, do you want God? Do you want the Father's house? Do you want the Father? So I look at this story and here's somebody who wants the wedding. They want the feast. They want the good things, but they don't want what the Father wants. In other words, yeah, they, the clothing is a reflection they of... They don't want what the King wants. Right. What what matters to Him. Yep. This is not a statement about... I mean, clothing is actually a powerful image in different places in the Bible. Um, but the reality is, the King wants a thing a certain way. This matters. 
And we might even think in a wedding, for instance, the the bride wants she decides what the other's going to wear. She she does. She decides the colors and right. all of that. She decides all those things. And if you're going to... They have decided what I'm going to be wearing December 10th. <laughs> and what you decide then yep. is... Am well, I going to do Whatever that the bride wants, we're going to go with that, right? We would just hmm. think it'd be... if Okay, you've got one bridesmaid. <laughs> Everyone else is in this lavender. <laughs> and there's one she's in an orange. Uh, just She just didn't want to... Well, we would just understand... Why would you challenge the bride's wishes? Uh, yeah, it takes away it takes away something from the whole. Well, interestingly enough, but but you're 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 also saying it's the ultimate. I don't want what I don't want what the bride wants. I don't want what you want, Roger. It is unhealthy individualism. Yeah, I don't want to wear what everyone else is wearing. Right. <laughs> I want to do my thing. Right. And and wear. See to me at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, it's C.S. Lewis who makes the 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 case. Um, at the end, people who were in, encountering the judgment of God chose that. In other words, they didn't want yeah. the Father. But there are all kinds of people. This is the thing. It's like you have people that don't want to be in jail, but they also don't want to obey the laws. There are cases someone sure, they don't, right. but they don't want to be in jail. But that's not the choice. In other words, so I think sometimes we think. At the end of the day, God's just going to give people the nice place or the bad place. So that, no, it's, do you want the Father? Do you want Him? At the end of the day, I, I would just wonder if that's not this powerful picture of the person who wants the nice place, who wants the feast, who wants the party, and who doesn't. But doesn't want the person giving the party. Doesn't want... That's not... And at the end of the day, the narrative in the Bible is is about who we love. And that's what got twisted in sin is loving ourselves more than loving God. We were made to love Him. We were made to enjoy Him. We're most at peace, most content, have the greatest joy in Him. He is who we're made for. We're made to... But where where we say, I will have my own way, I want what I want, more than what the God who makes me, then we're really saying, I want his gifts, but I don't want him. And, so this even, uh, when we think about um, different theologies around um, being chosen, uh, the elect, because Jesus finishes this by saying, Mm -hmm. Many are invited. Almost this idea of all are invited, but only only a few are chosen. It would be like, all right, hey, if you want to play on our, let's say, uh, we're going to put together a football team. But if you want to play on our team, you're going to have to wear our uniform. So our uniform is purple and green because we are the purple people eaters. And that's our football team. And right. so we want you to come to the tryouts. Everyone's invited to that. But you're going to have to wear our, our uniform. And so, you know, everyone lines up. And it's time for the coach to, to, to do the selection. And there's one guy. Who's wearing his Dallas Cowboys uniform? Because <laughs> he loves him some cowboys. Loves him some cowboys. <laughs> Guess who doesn't get chosen for the team? <laughs> it's an interesting thing about whose decision reflected whether or right. not he even got chosen. Right. It's that thing of I've, I've thought for years this whole idea of God's choice, our church, is working together in a cosmic way that I don't claim to understand. Nobody does. But it does seem that a person says, I don't want what the king wants. Right. 
I want to do this on my own terms. I, w- I mean, I want what I want. And it's like, I love the way you said it. He wanted the wedding feast. He was the wedding crasher. Right. Oh, I want the wine and the dancing right. and all of that. Yeah, great. But a relationship with the bride and groom, do I want? No. I mean, that's not important to me. I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just here for the bar. <laughs> I'm just here for the, yeah, I'm just here for the open bar. <laughs> the open bar. It's not a cash bar, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that helps me. The other thing, because as, as I was driving in, then I was thinking about some comforting words to me about Jesus, you know, because I want to follow Jesus. I don't reject his words. I realize there's certain words of Jesus I don't understand. Yes. I mean, he just, and I don't, I just don't just, understand yeah, it. I'm right. like, gosh, I wish I could say I understood that. But Jesus says, there is, I do not judge the person who hears my words and doesn't keep them. And I'm like, oh, thank God for that. I hear his words. I want to do them, but I don't always keep them. He mm-hmm. said, there is a judge for the one who rejects my words. And that's that choice that a person can make. I don't want Jesus. Right. Don't want his words. <clears throat> don't want to live by his way. In fact, his way doesn't even make this whole love your enemies thing. That doesn't make sense. Forgiving people, that doesn't. Whatever it is, Jesus says there is a judge for the person that rejects. And that's the reason I say it's comforting for me. I don't reject the words of Jesus. I love them. Mm. I really do. I don't always understand them. But I realize I don't, I don't always, always keep them. I don't always keep them yeah. because it's that thing of that was very un-Jesus of Jesusy of me. <clears throat> you know, when yep. I say something to a person just in a very angry, irritable way, and I'm like, that was un-Jesusy. Right. You know, it wasn't kind. It wasn't treating people right. as I want to be treated. Um, so yeah, that's those are some just things I was re- wrestling with. But I think you've helped me. And again, any parable, it's it's a like thing. Um, but it's sad to me. It's hard to imagine. Maybe it's not that hard to imagine. It's sad to me that there are those that go, I don't want the way of Christ. Which is, in my mind, that's the wedding clothes. Yeah. Right. And, and whether, again, <clears throat> even the Bible will use the language of being clothed with the righteous, letting God clothe you. Yeah. But Yes. Right. But where I say, and we know... What is self-righteousness? It's putting on my own clothes. We even, we understand self-righteousness. We actually feel like that's, we talk about someone who's self-righteous. That's not a, we understand that's not a good thing. But this is exactly, it's an image the scriptures use. Let God clothe you. But but where I say, and I think this can be, someone says, I'm going to make myself good enough. Because at the end of the day, the heaven and hell thing, the good place could be, comes down to how good you are. So I'm going to dress myself, and this is as good. But doesn't the Bible say all our righteousness, our best attempts are like filthy rags? Is this part of the image? Someone's coming in, actually, they look awful, and it's not because they're poor and they don't have access. They've chosen. This is... This is the this is the best I can do, and I'm, I'm proud of I'm, the, my self righteousness. It's the emperor's new clothes. <laughs> yes, he's the only one that doesn't know he's he not doesn't, looking he's that good. Ah, <laughs> right, you like him? You look good. I'm, I'm not seeing it. I, I can't <laughs> no, look you in the no, eye right I'm now. I'm <laughs> literally not seeing it. Not seeing the clothes at all. <clears throat> but but I think the other thing that's so important here, it's the narrative of what's wrong in our world. This comes back to, <clears throat> it's not wrong ideas. It's wrong love. It's about what we love. It's not, <clears throat> even when I say what we believe, it's what we decide to trust. 
it's it's less about the facts in the because again there's a narrative that God gets you in the good place if you believe the right facts Bible facts about Jesus and if you refuse to believe the right facts then you go to the bad place but at the end of the day the Bible speaks more of what you love shows up in the end. Who you love shows up in the end. It, those who love the Father end up in the Father's house. Those who don't love, it's less around facts, as if we get a theology test at the gates of heaven somehow. No, right now, some idea, you can have some idea yeah. of, of your future, but right now, who do you love? Do you, do you want God? Do you... And you and I can honestly acknowledge, like Peter, oh, you know I love you. As many times as I don't act like it, you know I love you. I want you yeah. in my best moments. At the end of the day, the people who want, who love God, will be with him. And the people who don't want, and you can have the people, they want his house. They want his gifts. They've been, they've been enjoying his gifts on this earth for, for years, for a lifetime. But this is the fatal flaw is where we end up, and this is the thing, we enjoy God's gifts without acknowledging him. We enjoy God's gifts without wanting him. And at the end of the day, that is the story of our lives, yeah, it's that. It's that. And in the, in the, at the end of the day, you sort of get what you want. You get what you want. In other words, I've said, you know, for years when I talk about um, God isn't fair, and I'm so th I'm so thankful because I don't want fair in terms of. I think I've got this worked out. I think I'm good enough to be a part of God's kingdom and and the thing that He's doing and His larger agenda. I don't think that, and I thought, and I think to myself regularly, if God's fair, I'm doomed, <laughs> screwed. It's just all over. I can't. Not good. <laughs> right. So my prayer is still, even even today, it's it's God have mercy upon me, a sinner. Yeah. It is Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It is my trust is one hundred percent fully in Jesus. It and it's not Bible facts about Jesus. No. I actually probably have some facts about Jesus wrong. Isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah, when right. I think about your work, your book partly wrong, I put that back on the top of my nightstand because I want to reread it. Because oh, it's just helpful for me, even in what I'm writing about how to disagree with without being disagreeable. Part, part of it, part of it begins with the not just the humility, but the wisdom of saying I'm not right about everything. Right. There's just things that I'm not right, right. about. So while I I don't believe that I have every Bible fact about Jesus right, I know I trust Him. Yeah, I know I trust Him, and that's that is that is my only hope. That is, that's right. my that's my only hope for wedding clothes. Yeah. Right at the end of the day. And I think that's the image is, yeah, that's a beautiful, he's my hope. We sang songs, you know, yep. uh, about that, uh, all that I have is Jesus, all that I claim is Jesus, all that I want, all that I need, all that oh, I those plead. those kind of songs still bring tears to my eyes. Is Jesus. He is. David Crowder's uh, song, all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God my yesterday is gone. All my sins are forgiven. 
I've been washed by the blood. I love, I, I mean, I listen to that song and it brings me to tears yeah. because it is that thing of, I've got no hope. Yeah. He is my portion. Right. That's another thing I've been thinking about. And I want to do some teaching on right. this idea because it comes from that Old Testament idea. If I, if I remember correctly, the priests didn't get land. They weren't landowners. Yeah. Their portion was God. It was God. And that's kind of what, right. that was the ideal, uh, the ideal I think that God has for every person. <clears throat> yeah. That I'm your portion forever. You're, that the inheritance right. is a person, it, it, not a thing. wealth, not a place. Right. Not, not a, a, a place, a heaven. Right. Yes, because heaven wouldn't be heaven if we didn't want the king of heaven. In other but, words, the kingdom of heaven couldn't be the kingdom of heaven if you don't want the king. Isn't it Jesus' beautiful words saying, where he's saying, I'm going to prepare a place where you can be with me. Yeah, so that where I am, right, you're going to be with that, me. It's and but that's the key point. Hmm. This it's that it's not about the place. It's not about the. Uh, it's about the person. trappings yeah. and and the. It's the realization, and this is where we can walk today. Everything beautiful and good and brilliant, all around me, is a reflection of God. I'm enjoying Him. In what he's made, and I see him in everything, and I can enjoy him, and find I want to be my heart. Even the you know the prayer to start that you know, I just want to walk with God today. I want to enjoy today with Him, and we talk about that often. But you can't talk about it really enough because we're in a grand love story, and where love, and the songwriters are right, love is the thing that matters most. Love but, is the answer. Well, love is the answer. Love is love will the key. Keep us together. Everything. <laughs> uh, if love never lasts forever, tell me what's forever for the. But the all the songs are hitting on this core idea. We realize the we're in this grand love story, and love matters more than anything. And what we love, what we love, who we love, or what we love matters more than anything. And that parable, again, just highlights, at the end of the day, love is everything. And the question, maybe Jesus was always getting at, is, where's your heart? What do you want? What do, what do you love? Um, because he's always wanting for us to love him. This phrase hit me the other day. God wants us to... To love him as much as he loves us. I think that's what love God with all your heart, soul, okay. mind. God so, loves us but Roger, with a whole heart. Isn't that not the answer to the beginning of our whole question on happiness? If you know, if 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 loving God in the in the same mm. way that He loves us, that wow. that becomes the key to happiness. Because I find my joy in Him. Yeah. I find my portion in Him. <clears throat> I find that that is. Happiness, because this world, you know, it's when I think true. about happiness, things are in this world are up and down, sometimes happy, sometimes not happy, good times and bad times. But God is this faithful. You talked about it this morning. He's constant. And if we can keep just growing in that love, because Jesus would say, remain in my love. The Father loves me. Yeah. I love you. Now remain in my love, and you'll bear much fruit. It's this whole thing of that. Everything flows from this love relationship, and from that flows fruit. Love, joy, peace. 
No, that's it's perfect. And I had forgotten that faithfulness was a fruit of the spirit. I was like, is that really a fruit of the spirit when you said this? I'm like, what? I don't. I'm like, it is faithfulness. It's right in there. No, I was. This is why what you just spoke is why is what fuels my joy and happiness every day. It's not that everything is going just the way I want, but there are plenty of times where that's not, there's stressful or hard or annoying kinds of things. There are losses, but I never lose the one I love most that I, I'm always going to have him. I have him today. I'm walking with him in the day. And it, it is the truth. If I lose every other thing, I don't lose him. Right. And when you can't lose the thing you love the most, how can you not be happy? It's like, okay, I could lose my eBay work and my income. I think about it from time to time. They could send me a notice and say, we think you violated this thing. You're out. They can, they could shut me down. I think about it from it's time to time. It's their platform. So all the thing I've done, all the listings I've created, all the work I've done in a moment sure. could be shut down. Um, something, a car accident, I could get a terrible phone call you know, about somebody that I love being gone. Uh, our house could go up in flames. I realize all of those things, but I can't lose the one I love the most. So again, isn't that at the core of contentment and joy? And this isn't, again, the idea that Roger goes around, which is jovial and, and smiling all of the time. But at a core level, I can be honest I'll go into the, uh, you know, there's a convenience store I go and raise it regularly. I'll get my uh, fountain soda and, you know, I'll go up, um, how you doing today? And I just, um, I had one guy, actually just a week or so. I wish I could get some of that joy you've got or get some of that. Are you always this happy? Um, (laughs) Is that what they say? It was something, um... But I realized it's because I'm rich. And, and and the rich has nothing to do with the vehicle I'm driving, yep. the house I live in, yep. how well my eBay business is. It really doesn't. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's why Roger's bucking the Alabama trend as the fourth unhappiest state. I'm... I'm... <laughs> I did not contribute to that to that, that figure. <laughs> that that is that, that's surprising though. I was I would have not I would not have guessed that. Right. That it's because it's, it's interesting. But it even wonders for me there how skewed. I mean, whatever. Even if like you're, what was the second happiest? Well, state? even if you're using poverty as some kind of measure, that can be a flawed measure well, because there's, there's poorer states than Alabama. Right, but poor. Right. Poor people can often be surprisingly happier, <laughs> happier mm-hmm. than than wealthy people. So, it I, I it, digging into the rubric they're using, the measurement, the tools. I'm glad you clarified that because I'm like rubric. Is that like rubric? <laughs> oh, try and throw in a word like you did. Not Jesus see. Not Jesus see that was not that Oh it's was, slogan no, time. Unjesusy. <laughs> that would be even a great that's like a great book title. Unjesusy. 
things we do every day that are counter to the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Unjesusy. Yes. So, what's our slogan for today, Raj? Uh, that's what I was trying to think. Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> and wear the right clothes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's interesting that Roger said I look very dapper today in my shoes, and we ended up talking about clothes. Yeah, that's just really weird. <laughs> dapper. So, I... Hmm. We're going to have to finish Season 7, Episode... Well, I thought you might realize it was wrapping up Season 7. Are we done with this oh, one? No. Bruce... Three episodes in, I'm ready for Season Suddenly Bruce eight. is very I excited. Season 8. Yes. <laughs> of course, I, at a certain point, people are like, what are you... And there's other people that don't have seasons or episodes. No. They just have episodes and no seasons. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So okay. it's like, it's just episode 432. There's no seasons. Oh, that's true. I've heard, okay, I've heard people, yeah, but this is episode There's right. some podcasts that don't have special edition director's cut either, which we had last week. Which you week, had last week. Um, which Roger hasn't uploaded yet. I had yet. no idea about. But Roger's going to upload it because he's going to get it from Facebook or from the YouTube studio, record it, and upload it. Because it was a fantastic podcast last week. Marie Griffith. She was wow. good. Killed yes. it. Yes. All right, with that, um, Pastor's out. Pastor's out. A, have a happy day. Yeah. Be happy. Oh, that was, that was solid right there.